of our series, Tighten the Knot, and one of the keys to the missions of our church, and I've said this every time that we've, we've started this, uh, these messages, is that we want to build strong families in the town of Queen Creek. The family, uh, the church is only as strong as the family. The town is only as strong as the families. And so we have to build strong families. God places high value on families. And so we want to make sure that we're doing what we can. And so we started this series called Tighten the Knot on Marriage. Little disclaimer, though, that we've, we've said every time, if you're uh, not married right now, but maybe you can take some of these ideas and you take some of these thoughts and they will apply to any relationship in your life, any relationship. And how many of you guys know that there's relationships that I could improve on, right? Everyone is like that. There's a real, man, I wish, I wish I had a better relationship with that person. And so we can take these principles and we can apply them to our lives. And so even if you're not married, if you're looking uh, to be married one day or, or, or you're just done with it all and you, you want it, you're good being single, you can still take what we're talking about and apply them to your life. In the first week of our series, Tighten the Knot, we, we talked about how we needed a better definition of love. Love is not this ooey gooey feeling, running through the roses, skipping and dancing and singing princess songs by Disney. That's not what love is, right? And that's what our, our culture kind of programs us to be. But Jesus talks about how love, greater love, is when we lay down our lives for one another. And so love is really when I lay down my life, my needs, my wants, my desires, my happiness, whatever I need, I'm going to lay that down for the person that I love. That's really what love is. And for us to be successful, we have to operate in marriage with that definition of love. God is ultimately responsible for our needs, but in biblical love of me laying down my life for my spouse, that means that I get to partner with God to meet her needs. So we need a better definition of love. Last week, we talked about my response is my responsibility, and we talked about how destructive marriages can look a lot like trench warfare, where like she's dug in, he's dug in. We're not going to give any ground, but we're not going to take any ground either, and we can't be like that. And so we have to take responsibility for how we're approaching the marriage. And we said that a healthy marriage requires unity. Unity is not necessarily agreement, but unity is when I, as the husband, learn to humbly lean on my wife's strengths and cover her weaknesses to allow her to do the same. We gave the analogy of the eye exam. It's left, left eye, right eye working together for the health of the body. That's what unity is. You're not always going to agree on everything. You're not always going to agree because you're two different people. You grew up in two different households. You grew, probably grew up on two different parts of the country. You grew up different, right? So you have different ways of looking at the world. But when you come together and when you get the vision of both eyes working together, that's when unity happens. That's when great things happen. And we said that taking responsibility in marriage is three things. My attitude, my approach, and my actions. This week, I want to kind of break it down and I want to get really practical because I know a lot of times I have kind of a teacher bent and so sometimes we're like really philosophical here but I want to get down and get really really practical in things that could help that I've learned in just 17 years of being married that can help you guys have healthy healthier marriage so let's talk about if you're not currently feeling good in your current season of marriage because we all go through that we all go through that we all go through times where it's just hard and here's the thing, like, so years ago, up until a couple hundred years ago, everybody was on like this agricultural schedule. So you had 
seasons where it was cold. You had seasons where it was hot. You had seasons where it was dry. You had seasons where it was rainy. You had seasons where you had to go get the harvest. You had seasons where you plant. You had seasons where you just had to leave the ground how it was. There was these seasons of up and down, and it just kind of we worked with what we had. And sometimes it was good times. Sometimes it was bad times. But we just dealt with it. Up until that, that was how humans existed for thousands and thousands of years. But up until recently, now we have fiscal years and we have sales quarters and we have things like that. And so now if a company basically doesn't have as good of a sales quarter as they wanted to have, or if their fiscal year is not growing from last year's fiscal year, then guess what? Things are in trouble. And this has started affecting how we approach our marriages, how we approach our relationships. We've lost this kind of anchor of there's good seasons and there's bad seasons. There's good times and there's bad times. And so if you're going through a difficult time right now in your marriage, if you're going through a difficult season, you need to know that it's just a season. It's just a season. Lean into one another. Pray for one another. Do the things that you should know you should be doing. Act the way that you know that you should act. Sometimes Things are going to be difficult. There's going to be pressure with a kid not acting right. Or maybe one of you guys has lost a job and you're having to deal with that. Or maybe there's a sickness or maybe there's a financial pressure. Whatever it is, there's going to be seasons where it's difficult. And because we don't always see things the same way, there's going to be conflict. All right? You guys understand what I'm saying? Right? Just kind of take a deep breath and realize that you're not on like a sales projection with the health of your marriage. Right? It's not like, you, you, you have to be better than you were two weeks ago, or you have to be better than you were two months ago. Sometimes you're going to hit a rough patch, but what you have to do is you have to commit to dig in and really love each other through it and just be okay with, with knowing that this is just a season. Why am I telling you this? Because marriage and relationships are far more like agricultural schedules than fiscal years. You've got to work the ground of life. Together. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us this, and this was a very popular song back in the 60s, and if you start humming it, that's on you. Here we go. For every season, for everything, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what was planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. You may be in a difficult season right now, but know that it is just a season. Lean into each other and pray for each other. Learn, uh, a new season is coming if you just keep working the ground. So the fiscal year mindset has not set us up to be successful in our marriages. We understand that. Uh, uh, you, you may feel like you're, you're really going through this rough season, but sometimes the problems that we face are actually really practical. Sometimes the problems that we face are actually really, really practical. My wife should have a master's degree in dealing with me, right? Because sometimes I can be moody. Any other men like that in here? Any other men moody? Yeah, okay, fair. Um, so, so sometimes I can be a little moody. Sometimes I can be a little, uh, you know, just not, not be on the right, wake up on the right side of the bed or whatever. Um, and, and, and usually what happens is, is when someone is in the house in a terrible mood, that usually affects 
the whole house. It affects everyone around him. But for my wife, it just doesn't seem to affect her. And all she says to me is this. What did you eat for lunch? That's all she said. I'm in a terrible mood. What did you eat for lunch? And what do I say? I didn't eat anything. Go make a sandwich and then come back and talk to me when you make a sandwich, right? That's what happens, right? And so for some of us, some of the times the stress and the things that we're going for, the most bad moods, most conflict, sometimes it just can be fixed with sleep or food. We have to take care of ourselves. In the Ten Commandments, before we were told not to murder or not to steal or not to commit adultery, we were told this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 and through 10. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, that is the Sabbath, and it's to the Lord. You cannot take good care of someone else if you aren't taking good care of yourself. You cannot take good care of someone else if you're not taking good care of yourself. And for some of us, we give and we give and we give and we give and we give. And we think that our quality and our measure as a person is based on our output. Your measure of a person is based on your, the fact that you're made in the image of God. That the creator of the universe decided to put the, to, to create you and shape you in your mother's womb. That he put you on here on this planet Earth for a purpose and for, to accomplish uh, 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 something that he wanted you to accomplish. He put you on here to have a relationship with him, to develop relationships with other people so that you would be uh, healthy and that you would contribute to the development of other people. And they would contribute to the development of you. That's where your value is. Your value isn't what you put out, what you give, and what all this stuff. And that's, again, back to the fiscal year, that's where, where we've kind of fallen into this trap of, well, if I'm not doing all this stuff, if I'm not working, you know, 19 hours a day, if I'm, if I'm always just, you know, I've always got to be doing something. I've always got to be, if we, we think like that, then our value starts to drift into what have I done for them lately. And if I think that, then they look at me and they think, well, what have you done for me lately, right? And so we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take a break. We have to make sure that we're sleeping good. We have to make sure that we're eating good. Some bad moods can be fixed with sleep and food. Go make a sandwich. Speaking of sandwiches, another way our culture has set us up to not be successful is that we live in an age of comparison. We live in an age of comparison. Everybody, you know, most everybody has a Facebook, right? And you look through that Facebook, and that girl you went to high school with, she's posting this, you know, big picture of this quote with flowers all over it about how amazing her husband is and amazing her kids is. And your your husband snored all night last night, and your kids are in a fist fight in the living room, right? Like you're looking at yourself, and then you're looking at what they posted, and then all of a sudden, like there's this like disconnect of, you know, well, I, I'm I'm not as my life is not as good as them, or maybe it's Instagram. Maybe you're more Instagram. I'm more of an Instagram guy. So I see, you know, this couple, wow, they went to they went to that game together. Cool. Wow, they got to go out to that restaurant. And I'm sitting in my, my kitchen eating a grilled cheese sandwich, right? And so we have this constant comparison that we do to other people, to other couples, to other, uh, to other uh, people in our lives. We constantly compare ourselves to them. And then we just always feel like we're not measuring up. And sometimes this affects women worse than it does men. Men are like, well, we have like this whole like thing of I want that, and that's what I'm going to go get, right? That's, that's how we're wired. But women are like, this is how things should be, right? 
This is how things should be. And so when we compare ourselves and we think that that's how her life always is, her life is always, uh, you know, cursive quotes with flowers on them. Like that's how it always is in her life. Her husband's always taking her to steak dinners and taking her out and all that stuff. That's how her life always is. No, it's not. That's her highlight reel. That's her highlight reel. Don't take someone else's highlight reel and judge it against your everyday. Don't take someone else's highlight reel, what they post on social media and all that stuff, and judge it based on your everyday. Their life isn't always like that. Every couple has problems that they face. Everybody has something that they're working through. And on the flip side, you you aren't the only one with problems. So be thankful and be content. Be thankful and be content. They're not always eating steak dinners. You're not always eating grilled cheese. But when you do eat grilled cheese, be thankful for it. Grilled cheese here is a metaphor. You can put in whatever you need to put there, right? So whatever it is that you need to do, like just be thankful. Be content. Don't compare yourself to other people. So uh, make sure that you understand that everything is a season. Everything is a season. Everything is a season. What you, Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty that you're going through, there's going to be a good time. There's going to be a good time coming. Keep doing the right things. Keep doing what you know you should be doing. Keep working the ground. Stay with it. Stay loving each other. Stay serving each other. Stay humble. Stay forgiving. St- keep doing everything that you know that you should be doing. There's a season to it. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself and stop comparing yourself to other people. Sometimes comparison, though, can be a good thing. It can be a pulse check on like what's socially normal. My kids, the way that I taught them how to eat at the table was this. Whatever you see me doing, you can do that. If you don't see me doing that, then don't do that, right? Don't put your feet on the table. Don't burp your ABCs. Like, don't, don't do those things. You don't see me doing that, so you guys don't do that, right? And so that's, that's how I taught my kids how to eat at the table. I taught them how to do that because I, I was like, hey, do, do what I'm doing. Like, what you see me doing, go ahead and do that. And, and Paul talks about this. Paul says that, um, he says, be um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. There's nothing wrong with you looking up to mentors and aspiring to be like like some people. There's nothing wrong with that. But what you need to do is you need to find a qualified mentor, qualified mentor in an area that you want to go. Qualified is the key word here. Qualified is the key word here. With the advent of the internet and everything that we have on right now, all the things that we have access to with the phones that are in our pockets, somehow Peer advice became the go-to for all advice. Peer advice became the go-to for all advice. And so what you have is you have uh, this mom who's uh, listing her children still by the months that they're, how old they are in months, right? So I have a 23-month-old and I have a 6-month-old. But then she's going to be the one who's giving the most parenting advice to everyone else. Is she qualified to do that? No, she's qualified to write well. She writes well and she designs content well. That's what she's qualified to do. She has no idea what her her parenting philosophy is going to be like with the parenting approach of that two-year-old once that kid hits 15. And so we have to go ahead and find people who are qualified so we can listen to people who know what they're talking about. Who should you go to for advice on raising kids? I would say someone who has adults, who has adult kids that turned out kind of how you want your kids to turn out, right? 
go to find, find someone who has adult kids that are like, yeah, I want my kids to be like that. How did you do that? You know, ask those type of questions. Don't just look at, oh, well, you know, but she has, she does have a kid that's six months older than mine. She probably should tell me how I should be a parent. No, go to people who know what they're talking about. Who should you go to for advice in your marriage? Someone who has a lot more years under their belt. Do that. But but you're like, well, man, that I mean, am I only going to go to older people for this? Yes, they've navigated a lot more life than you, and they still haven't killed each other yet. It's okay. Go to them. Ask them. Just say, hey, what do you what do you think? What do you think about this? What? And and you would you would think that people would do that, but nowadays they don't. It's all about getting the thumbs up on Facebook, right? It's all about doing that. And, and the thing is, is that the people who really know, who really have done all these things, who really have lived this life, they're not the ones on there who care about what the thumbs up is. They don't care because they know the value of this, and the value of this is kind of this, right? So go to people who know what they're talking about. Lean on them. Lean on the wisdom of people who've gone before. In marriage, you will be required to think on your feet, work with your hands, and lead with your heart. You can't farm everything out, especially the things that your responsibility. So you need to find people that can help you grow. You need to find people that can help you grow. You, you need to be like, man, I want to get better. I want to, I want to be better as a husband than I am today, this time next year. I want to be better. And we talked about that. Do, 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 does this mean that I'm like slipping back into this whole like fiscal year thing and sales quarters and things? No, no, no. Because see, the thing is, is, I know that my marriage has seasons, but me, I don't want to be the same person now that, 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 I, that I was five years ago, and I don't want to be the same person five years than I am now. I want to grow. Healthy things grow. And so I want to grow. And so what, I'm going to find someone that helps me grow. And I'm going to find a mentor that helps me do that. So if I need to learn how to cook a meal, I'm going to find someone to help me do that. If I need to learn how to change a tire, I'm going to find someone to help me do that. If I need to learn how to calm a two-year-old down, I'm going to find someone that can help me do that. I'm, if I need to learn how to read my Bible or learn how to pray, I'm going to find a qualified mentor in an area that I want to grow. This is a type of comparison but it's seeking out help for how I can get better, how I can get healthy. The comparison that's dangerous, the comparison that we want to stay clear from is this constant comparison, particularly against your peers, that, that this kind of constant comparison will rob you of your joy. In the very next chapter, so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Follow, be imitators of me as I am in Christ. In the very next book, the very next letter in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul writes this and says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. So some people are like, well, look how good my marriage is. Look how good I am at raising kids. Look how good I'm doing it. Look how good. I'm not comparing myself against them. I'm not comparing myself with those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. In our Fearless series, the last series that we were in, we talked about how unmet expectations can wreck a relationship. How there's expectations and then there's the reality, right? So like I, I, I want my kids to clean their room. When I come home from work, I want it to be clean. Right. I don't want it to be whatever. Actually, more likely in my house, I just don't want them to leave the lights on. Right. We're paying all this money for air conditioning right in Arizona. We're paying all this stuff. I just 
gonna leave the lights on. You do your part. I'll, I'll pay the AC bill. Just do your part, cut the lights off, right? So that's my expectation. The reality though, is that I'm literally cutting 20 lights off every time I walk down the hall, right? And that's the reality, right? So there's the expectation reality. And so the unmet expectations can wreck a relationship because there's this gap between what expectations are, how we think things should be, and what reality is, how things really are. Comparison is using the circumstances of someone else's life to set the expectation for my own. This will cause you to look either at your own life worse off than other people or better off than other people. In either way, it is destructive. Either way, it's destructive. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So if comparison makes you think and ask yourself how I can be better, then that's a good thing. However, if it causes you to look down on your situation or look down on the situation of others, that's the bad kind of comparison. Many of us want to be content with our own behaviors, but that translates as complacency. However, we want, we're not content with the behaviors of our spouse. Think about that. I'm, I'm good with me. Don't mess with me. I, I'm good. You know, like I, I, I see things, everything that I want to do is right. I have the right way of doing things. But then our spouse, we're not content with their behavior. We're picking them apart. We're saying, well, they, they didn't do this and they didn't do this and they should have done that. And this is how that should have happened. But really what should happen is for us to have a healthy marriage, we need to flip that. We need to be content with our spouse, love them and serve them for who they are because they are a gift to you while be constantly seeking to grow yourself. What happens is, is when we take that approach and both husband and wife are doing that, both husband and wife are saying, how can I grow? How can I be better? How can I have handled that better? How could, not how could she have handled that better? Not how could, could, could they have handled that better? Not how could they be better in, in the relationship, but no, how could I have done better? Sometimes when we're praying God change them, our prayer really should be God change me. Think about it. If both people are coming to this, and again, last week we talked about trench warfare. We're digging in. We're not going to give any ground. If both people are approaching the relationship with the idea of the other person needs to be better, and they're not thinking, I need to... I have some things that I need to work on. There's some areas that I need to be better at. And that's not their default approach. Is there going to be health in that marriage? No, there's not. Is there going to be health in that relationship? No, there's not. There's not going to be health there. What we have to do is we have to flip that script. We have to be content with our spouse, but constantly seeking to grow ourselves. You cannot change someone who does not want to be changed. And you cannot change someone who doesn't think that they need to be changed. But if both the husband and the wife are seeking to personally and individually grow, then God can help the other person shape them. It's all about the attitude of your heart. It's all about the attitude of your heart. It's all about how you're approaching the relationship. Do I, I want to be better? Every now and then, I'll, I'll just ask Liz, hey, what, what, what can I do to be better? Like, what, what can I do? Like, what am I doing right now that could improve? Or what am I doing well? Like, sometimes you need to celebrate things. You don't always need to, like, pick stuff apart. Sometimes you just say, hey, 
you know, I, uh, what, 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 am I, what do I need to keep repeating? And so we, we have to have this heart of, I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to be better than I am. And it's not comparing someone else's situation with ours. It, it's really instead saying, I just want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better influence on my home. I want to understand how my moods affect the people around me. I want to understand how I need to take care of myself. I want to understand how things are a season and not overreact and blow up every time one little thing happens. I need to understand that I need a more godly perspective in my home. I need to be better. And we, when we have that approach, that gives us a groundwork for having healthier and more whole marriages. You're going to make a lot of decisions together. Just trust God that He's going to take care of you. One of the my favorite scriptures right now is in Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 7, and we'll, we'll read it in a second. But when things are going on, when, things, when you're in that rough season, when you're in that rough time, it's really, really difficult not to have anxiety kind of take over. Not to worry, not to let fear take over. When you let that happen, that anxiety and that fear, it shapes every interaction that you have. It shapes everything that you do. It shapes, it shapes uh, the, the way that you see them. It shapes how you judge their motives. I had a, a, a mentor of mine one time say, Humans are amazing at judging actions. We are terrible at judging motives. Terrible at judging motives. But that's what we like to do the most. And so we always, you know, if there's this conflict, it's not what are you doing that we want to judge? And what are you doing that we want to address? We, we want to know why you're doing it. So we're looking at the, we're trying to peel back the onion. And sometimes we're not as, as good at doing that. And so what happens is when we're living in anxiety and fear and doubt and, and just, just having that hard season, it's really, really hard for us to, to bring health into the relationship. And so Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. The most practical thing that you can do in marriage is get a hold of your Learn how to say, God, I'm just going to give this situation to you, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do everything that I can do. I'm going to try to grow. If there's a, if there's a way that I can, I need to, to approach this better. If there's a way that, I, if there's a mentor that I need to seek out that I can help, that they can help me uh, make the right decision here. Whatever it is that I can do, I'm going to do my part. But God, I know ultimately you are the one that's in control. And so I'm going to give this situation to you. I'm going to give this disagreement to you. I'm going to give this struggle to you. I'm going to give this personality conflict that we've been rolling through to you. I'm going to give it all to you, God. And when you do that, now it's God's responsibility, right? It's God's responsibility. Our response to the situation is our responsibility. We talked about that last week, but the situation as a whole, that's 
God's responsibility. And so whatever it is that you're going through, whatever struggle you're facing right now, whatever, whatever problems that your marriage is going through, whatever problems you're seeing in your relationship, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.